tiny Friday sports fans. Welcome or welcome back to another episode of The Gist of It. Today is Thursday, October 19th. I'm back. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm Ellen Hislop. <laughs> and I'm Steph Roths. And we all saw it coming. Red Bull's Max Verstappen won the Formula One World Drivers Championship two weeks ago during a burning hot weekend in Qatar, but the fun continues in Austin this week. And the reason why it's so fun and the reason why we're talking about motorsport today is because the all-female F1 Academy finale will be taking place in Austin as well. And for the first time ever, Steph, it's going to be broadcasted internationally, which is just so freaking huge for motorsport. In its inaugural season, F1 Academy has shown rapid growth, and I'm so excited to watch these women this weekend and to see who actually wins the championship. It's going to be so much fun. Oh my gosh, so much fun. And on today's pod, we'll be digging into the messy guitar situation before switching gears to talk about Austin. Then stay tuned after the break, where we will be welcoming F1 Academy's Roden Carlin driver and Alpine Academy junior Abby Pulling to the pod to chat about her career, F1 Academy, and what it's like being a woman in such a male-dominated sport. Abby was so awesome. She has an incredible British accent. (laughs) And she's 20 years old. There is something about the British accent stuff. When I first got on to interview her and she was like, hello, all I wanted to say back was, hello. Like, there's something about that accent that just, it gets me. I just want to dig in and just... You want to be a part of it. Them and like, <laughs> I, yeah, I just – I want to respond to them in a British accent. And I actually – my first internship while I was in school, I was a summer travel counselor, which my parents thought was hilarious because I have the worst sense of direction ever. And people would essentially come in and I'd be like, this is where you could eat. And I have to give them directions to places. Anyway, my manager there, Sally – I'll never forget her. I love you so much, Sally, if you're listening. She was British. And I would accidentally respond to her all the time with a British accent. And she was like, Ellen, that is so rude. You have to stop doing that. But I, my mere neurons, I swear to goodness, I could probably live in London for two weeks and come back with a British accent in Canada for three months. Have I not told you my story? Okay, real no. quick. I When I went to London, I um, was in an Uber on the way like to go to the airport and okay. speaking with the driver and accidentally did the same no. thing and started responding. <laughs> like I started the conversation in my Canadian accent and then started responding to him in a British <gasps> accent. And he stops full, like, full stop in the conversation <laughs> and asks, are you American? And I go, no. I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm Canadian. I'll, I'll stop that. Because it, it, it just happens. Like, I'm not trying to do it. Exactly. Apparently, it means you're empathetic. I read that somewhere. Okay. It's just your mere neurons. I kind of think we're Libras. We're flirty. You know what I mean? (laughs) Maybe that's kind of what we're doing. We want to relate. And I was watching, um, you know, recess therapy on TikTok. Yes. It's the best ever. Okay. So what's her face? Oh, my goodness. She plays Eleven in Stranger Things. Millie Bobby Brown. Yes. Okay. Yes. Millie Bobby Brown. So she's British. Did you know that? Yes. Yes. Okay, so her American accent is incredible. So when she was talking in recess therapy in some of these TikToks, she was going in and out of the British and American accent, and I just found it fascinating. And it was almost like because she wanted the kids to potentially feel more comfortable with her or to understand her better. And so I'm like, should we just have been superstar actresses? I don't know. Did you know that in succession, Shiv is Australian in real life? And oh my gosh, what's, what's the husband's name? Her husband's Tom. name in the show. Tom is a British in real life. Okay, he gives off British energy, yeah. don't you mm-hmm. think? Yeah, but they the American accents are so good. So good. See, that's I don't understand it. They have man, these people are so impressive. Anyway, 
Back to sports. This is a sports podcast. Um, <laughs> the NWSL playoffs is starting this weekend, and if we could have done an F1 married with NWSL playoffs podcast, we would have. The great news is, is that our newsletter team is so kick-ass that we will be sending out a special edition ahead of all of the NWSL playoff action. So if you're not subscribed yet, subscribe to our sports newsletter at thegistsports.com and look out for an email from us this weekend on everything that you need to know there. So many amazing things in the world of women's sports to look forward to. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your interview in particular. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. One thing too, Steph, obviously we talk about F1 once in a while. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We're into it because of Drive to Survive, went to the Grand Prix, I watch on weekends. But for those of you who are like wanting to dip your toe probably further into F1, I do have to recommend this podcast. It's called For the Girls, but it's F1R, the girls, like For the Girls. Do you know what I mean? Like F1R. Yeah, get okay, I'm picking it up. Okay, you get it. And that to me is the best place to get all of your F1 news. For every race weekend, these three best friends basically get together. They give you a preview, they give you a recap, and they cover everything from track history, team upgrades, special education topics, hot takes, all of that sort of stuff. They do interviews. They actually have an upcoming interview with Logan Sargent from F1, which is so freaking exciting. And they talk about strategy and engineering and all of that sort of stuff. And I think what's so cool about them, Steph, is that a lot of F1 accounts are sometimes thirst traps, which honestly, I love those accounts too. But I just really, really appreciate how they get into the sport altogether, how they help me understand the sport more of motorsport. And so Definitely go have a listen to For the Girls, F1R, the girls must listen. Oh my gosh, thank you for that recommendation. I'm very much so going to take you up on that. Okay, let's get the show on the road. Wink, wink. <laughs> That's a horrible wink. Wow. The 2023 Drivers' Championship has already been won, as we mentioned, but unlike in other sports, the F1 season goes on. So it's like you have a winner, but you got to keep playing. It's, it's interesting. There are five races left on the calendar and many records still to be left broken. And we should say the reason why they keep on doing it is because at the end of the season, I believe it's the top 10 teams based off of points get money from F1 to go to their team. And so it really does matter how you end up in the standings because that impacts the dollars you get. So there's a winner, but the ranking overall still matters. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. To no one's surprise, Red Bull's Max Verstappen won the world championship in Qatar two weeks ago. This is his third consecutive title. The Dutchman has dominated this entire season, and if he wins the last five races, he'll overtake Sebastian Vettel's number of career victories. I won't be surprised if he does, in fact, win all of five of those races. Uh, that is just exactly the type of year that it's been for Verstappen. With the help of teammate Sergio Perez, Red Bull has won every single race this season apart from the Singapore Grand Prix, which was won by Ferrari's Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz? Sainz, sorry. I mean, I like to say Carlos Sainz, smooth operator. <laughs> if anyone gets it, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Kind of on TikTok, everyone thinks that he's like smooth operator. So anything on TikTok with Carlos Sainz behind it, smooth operator. And now he's kind of adopted it himself. So it's kind of, you know how, you know how in baseball you have a walk-up song? That's kind of Carlos Sainz's walk-up song. Gorgeous. Love that. 
Gorgeous. He is gorgeous. And even though we usually know Max is going to win before a race season starts, this F1 season has been pretty exciting to watch because you never know who's going to finish on the podium next to Max. You literally never know who's going to finish two, three, four, five, six. It's clear that no one's going to overtake Max in the driver's standings, but second and third place is truly anyone's to have. And so now we're heading into the 19th race of the season, which is in Austin. And I think that we can expect some really big crowds coming to watch the action. Last year's Austin GP was the most attended North American Grand Prix in history, bringing in 440,000 fans over the three-day event. We knew that Miami was huge earlier this year. TikTok star Alex Earl attended. Some other DJs attended. But something about Austin just gets the folks going. You know what they say, Ellen? Everything is bigger in Texas. (laughs) (laughs) The race is taking place at the Circuit of the Americas, the first track in U.S. purpose-built for Formula One. It opened back in 2012 when the sport was relatively smaller, especially I'm I'm guessing in America. Mm -hmm. Austin was the only American F1 stop for a while, but now there's three. Miami, Austin, Vegas. I can't believe that F1 wasn't in Vegas beforehand. It just feels like the glitz. It feels the right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just feels so right, especially because the Aces really showed out. The Vegas Golden Knights really showed out. Like it, it's starting to feel like a sports town. Yeah. So the Aces, WNBA, and Golden yes. Knights, NHL. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. The sport has grown so much over the past couple of years, and I think that really is a testament to Drive to Survive. Thank you so much, Netflix. And we won't be surprised if that attendance record gets broken again. Fans are now nutty about F1. As for the track itself, it's a mix of high-speed corners and elevation corners, which makes it really hard. Because it's so hard, because it's so cool, it is a fan favorite. Alpha Tori's Daniel Ricardo is also making his return this weekend after an injury, and Austin is one of his favorite tracks. So whatever he likes, we like, we like, we love him. He said hi to me when we were at the Montreal Grand Prix and I was like, hi, it was so cute. It was so fun. (laughs) And of course the men's race isn't the only thing that you have to look forward to this weekend. Either the F1 Academy finale is also taking place in Austin. The all female championship created to develop and prepare young female drivers aged 16 to 25 to progress to higher levels of competition debuted this year and is already on a fast track to success. And it's backed by Formula One. F1 Academy gives female drivers an opportunity to reach their potential by giving them more track time racing, testing, which is fantastic. And no doubt that it will lead to the next woman to race in F1. That person will be from F1 Academy. Yeah, we got into it a little bit with Abby stuff. Like there is no reason why women and men can't be competing in motorsports against each other. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Oh, yeah. There's no reason. I think the reason is barriers to entry (laughs) and that the sport has been very classically male-dominated and that people are more willing to spend and invest on men crashing and ruining millions of dollars in cars, but the minute a woman does it, they're not as big of fans. And so I do honestly think, Steph, within our lifetime, there will be a female driver in the F1 track and on the F1 track. And that makes me so freaking excited. And who knows? Maybe Abby could be that first person. And on the podium? Hey, man. It could happen. 
hey man, maybe, you never know. There were seven events this season with five being held at current F1 venues. That said, the final round in Austin is the first F1 Academy event to be broadcasted internationally, and it will be in front of what could be their biggest North American crowd yet. What the F1 Academy is doing is absolutely amazing. We're huge fans. But one complaint that fans have had is the lack of broadcasting. You can tune in on F1 TV, YouTube, Facebook, and even X, formerly known as Twitter. But it hasn't been on international TV. So this is a really good opportunity to showcase this race to new audiences. I love how X is still X, formerly known as Twitter. Like, isn't that just something an artist would say? I heard it on, like, the news yesterday. And they were like, X... Formerly Twitter. And I was like, thank you. I was like, what's X? <laughs> it's I just so forget. weird to just say X. Especially because X is used in mass. So I, anyway, I just – I really don't understand it. But back to the women. Obviously broadcasting stuff. We talk about this so much in leagues that are fully developed and that have been around for years. It's still a problem to find where you can watch things, especially for – the WNBA, even the playoffs, we were like, mm, where can we watch this? It wasn't readily available for so many people. So I think that it's so cool and so important that it is on international TV because when women are put on TV, not only is it that folks like us, Steph, are able to watch and fans are able to watch, sponsors are able to watch. Sponsors are able to get their money back because we are eyeballs and impressions for them. And so without that whole ecosystem – then there's not going to be enough money supporting the next woman who's going to get into F1. So it's just so important. And I really hope that after this, they find a way to get it broadcasted internationally essentially every single time. I think what's really cool stuff is that the F1 Academy will soon have its own behind-the-scenes docuseries too, obviously taking a page out of Drive to Survive. It's going to be produced by Reese Witherspoon's company, Hello Sunshine. So I'm just thinking stuff like – Drive to Survive has done so much for motorsport. Like literally, I would not be as obsessed with F1 as I am if it wasn't for Drive to Survive. And so if what Reese Witherspoon is doing can do that for the women's side, like sky's the freaking limit. Oh my gosh. I am so excited. For me, there's nothing like women doing the sport for me to get into the sport. (laughs) So I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see if this kind of helps catapult it into the the likes of like WNBA, NWSL, Women's World Cup, all of the things that we love to watch already in North America and internationally. So I'm really hopeful that this docuseries is going to help. Yeah, it's going to be great. Real quick, Let's get to the interview with Abby for some background. There are currently 15 drivers on the F1 Academy grid, and next year, 10 of these drivers will be nominated by current Formula One teams, which is really, really cool. And what basically that means is that they'll have like a paint scheme or sticker design on their car, very similar to the men's cars, which is great for sponsors. So it's just, again, F1 really helping on that monetary side of things, which is huge. So... Today, we are welcoming Abby Pullen to the pod. Abby is supported by Alpine Academy, which is essentially a program that supports young racers' progress in their careers. It's Alpine's F1 team's junior academy that Abby Pulling is on. Absolutely so excited to have Abby on the pod. And at just 20 years old, she's breaking barriers as a woman in a male-dominated sport. She's competed in the F4 British Championship and the W Series and is currently ranked fifth in the F1 Academy standings. <laughs> she can finish even higher as well, depending on how Austin goes. So I'm so excited for you to talk to Abby. Let's go.
Abby, thank you so much for joining The Gist of It. I'm so happy to have you here with us today. No, thank you for having me. Really excited to kind of spread the word on on the F1 Academy and, and my role in motorsport. Yes, it's going to be so much fun. You are the first person that we've had from motorsport on the podcast, which is actually quite a surprise because our gisters are getting more and more and more into F1, especially because of Netflix's Drive to Survive. And we've had so many people ask us about the F1 Academy, so I'm excited to get into it today. I want to start off, though, Abby, by going back to the early days. Can you walk us through how you got into motorsport and kind of what motivated you to get into driving? Because it's not a super common sport. Yeah, I, I mean, I got into it pretty much how majority of people get into it, which is through their family. My dad, my dad actually raced himself uh, on a motorbike. Um, oh. He did endurance racing, which is strange to do endurance racing on a motorbike, but <laughs> um, <laughs> it's out there. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, essentially, I just kind of went along, watched him, and I absolutely loved watching him, and I really, really wanted to go myself. And ended up going to like a go-karting corporate kart party, you know, indoor karting that you do for birthdays when you're really little. And I was like, dad, like, I just want to go again and again and again. And he finally gave in and was like, okay, we'll take you. And and kind of just stemmed from there, really. Um, went to more more indoor karting things. And then at the age of like eight, nine, he got me my own go-kart. So I was going outdoors and yeah, it developed into snowboard into a, being here today you know with Alpine and yeah it's been an incredible journey and very very lucky. That's great you have a need for speed I love that you knew that from a very young age it's great to hear. When you were young though Abby and even now there's really not a lot of women to look up to and a lot of female role models so for you getting into the sport a lot of it is if you can see it you can be it but for you you didn't necessarily like see it in the same way that a lot of other folks with soccer or basketball were able to see it. So how were you like, yeah, I'm actually going to take this from something that I enjoy doing, go-karting, whatnot, to actually taking this to the next level and being on the professional side of things? Yeah, I I definitely felt that I had to kind of pave my own way. You know, it Mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, my, I I was very much, I watched motorbikes, so I was very much a Valentino fan, Valentino Rossi uh, in the MotoGP. Um, but there was, yeah, no, not really any females that I was like, oh, I want to be like that, that person growing up. So, yeah, like I said, I had to pave my own way and kind of figure out my own path. And I didn't kind of realise until now that, that I did have to pave my own way because I was just, you know, one of one of the other drivers, you know, one of the one of the boys, you know, <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> um, and, you know, I didn't see myself it's different at that you know at that age you know I was just like I'm here to have fun as as everyone else is but yeah at the age of kind of 12 13 when I started winning kind of British titles against you know guys and girls I was kind of like right what's the next step what's the next thing I can do and that's when we looked into moving up into cars and, and take it a bit more you know I mean we took it seriously but you know it's even more serious at that level so yeah about I think 16 years old was my my first ever season in in a race car. One of my favorite things about racing is that it is something that there's no reason why boys and women really need to compete separately. Like, you know what I mean? We can totally compete at the same time, which is so exciting. And that kind of brings me to the F1 Academy. I'd love to hear in your own words what the F1 Academy is and what makes it different from any other kind of championship that you've competed in. Yeah, so... 
like you say, motorsport is a very unique sport. It's one of, you know, there's only, you know, a handful of sports where you can compete at an equal playing field to men and men and women. And yeah, it's so so the F1 Academy is actually an all female championship, but it's not it's not because, you know, when you're running a race as a woman, you know, it's separated for for the reasons that there's a you know, obviously the, the men's going to have a quicker time and be more physically fit in that aspect. It's more because they want to kind of shine a light on females in sport. There's not many of us uh, in, in motorsport and they want to give us the necessary track time and experience that we need to go on and compete against the guys. Uh, that's that's kind of the main reason that it's not solely to stay in the all-female championship. It's to then go on and, you know, race the boys and beat the boys, essentially. And, yes. you know, I've it's, it is a little bit different for me because I've grown up my whole life racing guys. So it, it is a little bit different for me. And, it, you know, even when I, I did British F4, I was racing against the guys and, you know, getting podiums and, and you know, fastest laps against the guys. So it is, it is a little bit different to, to what I'm used to, but it's not like at the end of the day, we're racers. So it's not like that, you know, crazy different. It's just everyone on the grid's female. Yeah, you're still racing. You're still the the goal is to still podium. The goal is to still win, yeah. no matter who else is in those other cars, which I think is great. And I think that what's so cool about the F1 Academy really is the fact that the intention is so that we can have women in F1 and on the regular track and competing against the best of them. But we have to provide funding. We have to provide viewership. We have to give women all of the resources that we give the men so easily. And we've seen that so much in other sports with the same issue. So I think that it's so great that this is happening. We know that the series will race along the 2024 F1 calendar and that all four Formula One teams will have, you know, drivers next year, which is so cool, especially after one season. Where do you see the Academy in the next three to five years if you were to predict what what it does next or the impact that it has on motorsport? I think I think the F1 Academy, the, the main thing is is inspiring the younger generation and showing mm-hmm. that it is access, like it is, you know, there for, for younger females. You know, I, I was very lucky that my family got me into it, but you know, there's lots of young girls out there that haven't been exposed to it. And and the, the harsh reality of motorsport is you have to get into it quite early. It mm-hmm. is quite, you know, you got to enter it quite early. You know, every, you know, guy on the, the F1 grid at the moment, they started karting at a minimum of probably eight years old, you know? So, yeah, it's something that needs to be shown at a young age and that's where the change will happen. There'll be more, you know, whereas I was one of the only girls on the grid when I was karting, it will go to be, you know, there'll be, even now there is more girls coming into karting and I'll go to a kart track and there's, you know, two to three per class, which ends up being about, you know, there's about 10 classes, so there's about 30 girls in the paddock. That's didn't sound like a lot considering that there's about 100 and, you know, 150 guys, mm-hmm. you know, in comparison, but it's not going to be an instant change. So over them five years, it would just be a, a steady progression and, and seeing more young carters, which will then, you know, we'll see the change in 10, 20 years time, more girls in my position where, where they're in, you know, F1 Academy or going into F3 or F4 or, you know, wherever they end up. It's really exciting. And it's really energizing. And it's cool to hear you say that you basically have to commit to the bit early in order to really get into the sport and obviously there's there's some barriers to entry there for sure but I think in a sport that is so dangerous and that you really have to be so fearless having that base when you're a kid and you really are fearless and you can get comfortable and really get into the sport it's really interesting in that sense how do you feel about being a role model for young girls when you're so young yourself you know you're 20 years old you're getting into the mix right now but you truly are 
changing the face of motorsport. How do you feel about that? Oh, just backs up a bit. And you say that, that we have to be fearless, but it's more the parents have to be fearless. Yeah. To be- <laughs> Fair point. Your parents must be losing it. <laughs> but um, Yeah, like being, you know, I, I didn't necessarily have that many, you know, female role models growing up. So mm. it's amazing to, to, you know, have so many, you know, young female carters or, or even females within the industry that aren't necessarily drivers, but they're just, you know, you know, they're within a different aspect, being a mechanic or something. Getting so many people being like, you know, I want to be like you when I grew up. I want to, you know, race, you know, have your kind of aggression or I want to, to achieve what you've achieved. It, it warms my heart a lot and it makes, it puts everything to, into perspective a little bit. You know, you just take a stand back and you think, wow, like, it's so nice to have such an impact on people. You know, you never thought, you know, little eight-year-old me tootling around would uh, would be, you know, making such a, a positive change, really. That's so sweet. I love that. And I think you mentioned to, you know, the engineers and we had the privilege of going to the Montreal Grand Prix this year and kind of seeing behind the scenes. And there's so many different folks that make up a team, which is really awesome. And it seems like there is more and more women getting involved on the business side of things, the engineering side of things, operations, marketing, et cetera, et cetera. How do we take motorsport to that next level to truly make it inclusive to women and to also have someone, maybe Abby, who's not like yourself, who doesn't have a family, who's already into motorsport, who's already into speed, but who says like, yeah, I could get into this too. Like, how do we make it truly inclusive that somebody else is like, yeah, I I could get into it from an engineering perspective, or I could get into it from you know, a business perspective too. Yeah. I mean, you'd be amazed how many people it takes to run them two cars. Mm -hmm. Like there's 800 to a thousand people here at Enstone where I'm now. And then there's another 200 to 300 in Viri in France. So it's a big old operation and there's, yeah, so many people and there's a place for everyone, no matter what your discipline is, even if you're taught in, you know, economics there's probably a way that you can you know twist that into coming into motorsport but I think the the important thing is so Alpine have a race her program which is not only targeted at younger females in being a driver it's also targeted at yeah females coming into the engineering side or you know marketing or or any other aspect of motorsport and the same with you know there's the FI girls on track who they literally go to schools and they you know do a pit stop challenge with them and it's it's things like that that, that are really going to make the difference in you know not just open, saying look you can be a driver but you can also you know do this this or this really cool I uh, I think that's great and it's so awesome for us to hear about those programs as well and to understand kind of what's going on behind the scenes the final race of the season is coming up in Austin which is so exciting it's going to be broadcasted live and internationally. How does that make you feel that literally you're going to be seen across the globe? It's going to be the first Academy race that's going to be broadcasted internationally. What does that mean to you? How do you feel heading into it? Yeah, it's amazing. I think it's what we've we've needed all year. We've been, you know, there's it, not been too much kind of buzz around it. So to, to finally have some live coverage and to... Yeah, to be on the F1 package is is a really big deal. And, and for, you know, I'm quite lucky that I've already kind of raced in the F1 kind of paddock and been in mm-hmm. the support scene. So it's not too kind of daunting to me. And I'm, you know, not as nervous as, as maybe some of the newer drivers will be. But I just think it's, you know, a step in the right direction. I think it's exactly exactly what we need to, you know, show it to more younger females. So the parents watching or brothers and sisters watching, they can, you know, 
show it to to their younger younger kind of the daughter or even sons you know anyone it, it's just to spread the word <laughs> for sure and also to sponsors right like sponsors are a huge part of motorsport it is such an expensive sport probably the most expensive one out there what do you want to be seeing from sponsors in terms of supporting the academy or supporting women drivers yeah, I would say the, the hardest part about racing isn't actually the racing itself. It's finding the money to go racing <laughs> yeah. in my case. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a huge opportunity to be able to, you know, provide that kind of coverage to to partners. And obviously, I've I work really closely with Alpine and the Academy and BWT. So it would be really great coverage for, for them. And yeah, I think it's all being able to give the value back to them. That's great. That's a great way to think about it. Um, To close things out, Abby, we have some fun, rapid fire, fast questions. We figured that this would be on brand for you because you live life in a fast lane. So we're going to try to keep it quick and get to know you a little bit more. What is your favorite track? Oh, um, Zamvoort. If you weren't a driver, what would you be? A graphic designer or art, something arty. Oh, very cool. I love that. That's totally the other way. That's that's very cool. Um, what is your favorite post-race meal? When you come back from like a race, like a good takeout, like a Chinese takeout or something, mm. like a nice naughty, naughty meal. <laughs> naughty meal. Um, if you could race against any driver, I'm going to say dead or alive, who would you race against? Valentino Rossi. No doubt, no doubt about that. That was a quick one. Any yeah. pre-race rituals? Um, to pump myself up, I like to do a bit of boxing. Whether I, I don't think I look very good doing it, but it makes me feel a bit better. <laughs> Dig it. Pump up song before the race? Um, I've got like a playlist that like I like Heartbroken by H Two. I like some also like some nineties, two thousands music. I love that for you, 90s and 2000s, but you're born in the 2000s. I dig that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Abby, for coming on The Gist of It. We are such big fans of you and are wishing you all the best in Austin. You're going to do so well and just have the best time ever. So thank you so much for your time. And thank you for having me. Of course. Wasn't Abby great stuff? Oh my gosh, so great. I'm so happy. It's so cool to see a 20-year-old, like, be the role model. You know what I mean? She's so young, but now she is a role model for kids who are even younger, especially because, as she said, you kind of have to almost decide when you're between six to nine years old if you're going to do something like F1 and if you're going to get into motorsports and motor racing. So it's just so cool to think about that she is the role model at the young age of 20. But having a young, like a role model at that age is actually really impactful, I feel like, for, for, for sure. young women because you, they are at this age that you look up to and you think is so cool and mm-hmm. you want to be like versus someone who might be a little bit older or your parents' age. So I think that she has a lot of impact. You're so right. Too. We were totally looking at Britney Spears, who was 16 when we would have been eight or nine. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's and who she's you were the coolest to. person. Totally. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And I think also too, I just can't get over that as much as she said that her family was in motorsports and that's generally how it happens with motorsports. The fact that she was like, yeah, I'm going to take this pro when literally basically no other women were doing it. It's those athletes where I'm like, how did you even think about doing that? Because I definitely listened impressed. to the rhetoric yeah. of like, there's no job for me after school for soccer. So 
I got to do something else. I just was like, yeah, this this doesn't exist. She's like, well, it doesn't exist, but I'm going to go freaking make it exist. It's just – it's so cool. Absolutely so impressive. I am so impressed by people like her. Remarkable. Anyway, thank you all so much for tuning in and for listening. We'll be back in your ears with a new episode next week. But in the meantime, if you enjoyed today's podcast, as per you, share it, subscribe, rate, review. This episode was edited by Roche Abdullah, executive produced by Jessica Aldos and Ellen Hislop, and co-produced by me. Again, I'm Steph Rotz. And I'm Ellen Hislop, and this has been The Gist of It. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the NWSL playoffs, and we will chat with you on Tuesday. Bye.